Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hit. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Another week coming to a, a close. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme as well to 0862 103 103. And the surge in virus cases now, they're saying, has been linked to communion and confirmation parties. And this has been announced as the good people of Donegal are facing into tighter COVID restrictions and of course they come in to play from midnight tonight. Dr Anthony Brazel is Director of Public Medicine with the HSE in the North West and he says cases in that area have been linked to to those kind of events as well as people travelling over and back across the border because we know there was a lot of cases or there are a lot of cases in and around the Derry area and of course people go over and back you'll have people living in Donegal but they might do their shopping in Derry or people go over and back for work and for socialising etc. So it looks like there's a flow of COVID-19 over and across uh, the border. Uh, Dr Brazel said when they have contacted people when they have tested positive for COVID-19 and they get in contact with them for the contact tracing, uh, etc. They're all starting to talk about events that they've been at recently. They'd been at christenings. They'd been at communions. They'd been at confirmations. And he also said, unfortunately, they'd been at uh, funerals. He said they've had one or two more people at the events that would actually be necessary. And he said that then makes managing and keeping up with social distancing and face covering more difficult, especially when you have young children around Donegal are preparing for midnight tonight to enter um, kind of a lockdown it's not it's not full lockdown but certainly they've got further uh, restrictions and this is all to do with the fact of the rising number of cases which now the Department of Health are showing the breakdown of the cases by the local electoral areas and John Paul has been going through the numbers for Cork City and County and he will be joining us later on the programme and he'll go through the various uh, local electoral areas just so that we can 
update people who don't have access to the gov.ie and not able to go online to get the information. It's all available by, by the way to anybody who wants to go on gov.ie and just click on the map and you'll be able to see in your electoral area how many cases of COVID-19 how many people have tested positive in the last 14 days. So John Paul uh, will join us in studio as they say later on this morning just to go through the various electoral areas and I want him to do a comparison with the figures from the previous two weeks just to see what areas have seen an increase in COVID-19 cases because I know so many of our listeners ask about that and keep saying people living in a certain area any idea how many COVID-19 cases are in our uh, area the whole country now has been put on notice we've all been asked to curb our social encounters least the whole country is forced to move to the level 3 restrictions that's where Dublin are at the moment and it's where Donegal are from tonight and says morning Patricia confirmations and first holy communions should never have been held this year according to Anne they should have held off and waited until next year. This has led to a surge in large socialising and gatherings in recent weeks resulting in COVID-19 cases and says I was in two supermarkets yesterday and I had to ask a person in each shop to please step back as they were simply standing right behind me. Everyone is wearing a mask says Anne but social distancing and hand sanitising people seem to be forgetting about that 1850 lines are open you can text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Prairie Independent Dáil Deputy Matty McGrath has strongly criticised AIR in the Dáil for their customer service saying their waiting times for repairs are outrageous and I know a number of our listeners will certainly agree with Deputy Matty McGrath who now joins me Good morning to you Matty Good morning Patricia And you're, you're welcome uh, Trying to get through to customer service agent with air. That can be so frustrating for so many people, can't it? It's shocking. I mean, I've seen instances where old ladies and old gentlemen as well come in here to my office after months, maybe three and four months of being out of a telephone service. And remember many of these, I'm very involved in community alert, as I know Deputy Michael Collins down there, most public reps there are depending on this for their uh, pendant alarm, which is the only connection they have with the outside people if they fall or feel unwell or worse, if there's a break-in or an intrusion or unwanted people around their house. And the airline is dependent on them, depending on that. So they come into my office. could be months. They've no way of phoning. They don't, I don't know, familiar with mobiles or maybe having to service for mobiles. And they've sat in front of my office, in front of one of the, my staff here, uh, maybe for an hour, now 20 minutes, literally, trying to get through to air. Tears in their eyes because, especially during COVID, they haven't been coming in since COVID because they can't come in. My office is not open to the public, but they're lost. The only connectivity they have with the outside world. I remember go back. I remember feeding for our dish back in 1981. I think Minister Albert Winner, not to miss him, held up a telephone and he said every house in, in Ireland will have a phone within a month. And we did. They were a wonderful uh, um, organisation, Telecom Air, and uh, the name before them won't come to me, but, and wonderful people worked, and teams of men putting up the poles and repairing them, and they had pride in their work. But now they have no teams. They've all been left off. They have uh, uh, good uh, technicians in vans, but they're covering maybe two provinces. I, I had a man who retired recently, good friend of mine, and he used to have to go, go from where I am here in Clanbell down to New Ross, and God knows how much farther, and down to Inescorti. 
do repairs. I had a case where a man came from Mayo to Tipperary to fix a, fix a line, so they don't have the men on the ground. So if it, uh, so, if they don't have the engineers to physically do the repairs, they also, I feel, have an issue that they don't have enough staff at the call centres. This is my point, but what's the point is supposed to have them in the call centres? Frustrate the people and stop them ringing, because if they haven't they, they put soldiers on the ground to do the work uh, they can't deliver so I mean they're just a shambolic state of affairs and I think that, uh, that the minister telling me like that you're going to get on the Comrade Comrade are well aware of this as I said in the door Comrade are both useless toothless and fruitless like many more competition authorities in these bodies that are there to give consumer protection they're not doing their job I mean, I have people from all over the country call. I never saw such a reaction to by raising this in the doll. The minister, and I accept he's bona fides, but uh, Minister Ryan, but he needs to get real. It's just not acceptable in this day and age, you know, that, as I said, for, phone, for, for sick calls, for anything, emergencies, you need your phone line. Remember your paying rate, your paying, sorry, uh, you bought, uh, you paid for the phone, you're paying your um, monthly rent, and then you're paying for your calls, and, and, and paying quite dear. And to be frustrated like that, people are at their wit's end because they just don't want to repair them. They're not repairing them. I have other cases where people have had, came to the end of their telephone with them, decided to disconnect, and they can't get disconnected. Just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I have other places. They're going on maybe 12 months. I have other people who, there are disputes over bills, and one particular man home well, he came on to be the other night as a result of my raising this, and he is 12 months trying to get, and they were telling him that he didn't pay, and he, pro- he proved with his bank statement that he had paid, and I think he got an apology. No such thing as an apology. I mean, it's and not- when, when people are having problems, like those elderly people you're talking about who might have no phone for, for weeks or even months, 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 and the bills are still arriving, though, aren't they? From They still have to pay. Yeah, in one or two cases, maybe more, maybe half a dozen cases, they did. Uh, uh, they did accept after a battle. They, 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 they reimbursed the three or four months. Written. But that because was after a battle. Not a, and Some people don't have the will for the battle. Yeah, but they're up in, in Ballaparine, up in a kind of high enough area. I have a businessman here in Newcastle, my own uh, village, an excellent businessman. His line is breaking down every week. Take three weeks to get it fixed. He's depending on his broadband and that as well. It's impossible for people in rural Ireland to continue with a service like this. If And I'm a businessman too. And if I give that kind of service, or that builder, or other, they would be out of business. They'd be out of business. In, but you, and you don't hear similar complaints from other telephone companies, do we? No, in fact, uh, the people tell us that, that move. But you do, when you're hot with the other companies, then most of them is. The only infrastructure they're using is air. Yeah. So you're in a worse yeah. situation. I know IFA at the time had a special package and deal. And then when the farmer's lines went out, they couldn't air. But the last one they fixed was the, was the one that had left them that was gone to, to the bottom of the queue. So you don't. There's some Vodafones that we've had good experience with them in fairness, but um, air now is just going to be on the joke. Yeah, they're getting away with it. And this thing, uh, governments, like putting these companies at the arms length, same with the HSE, we know responsibility. It's just a way of telling the people get lost. We don't care about you. And, and uh, these yeah. are at, at the mercy of the ways. And for all people, I've seen people, I have young people trying to deliver them, but who I feel most sorry for our elderly who have nothing else to connectivity only that phone call. We have a listening service here in, in, in Newcastle Village and uh, it's called Good Morning, Morning South Tipperary and there are many of these services around Donegal, Dublin, around the country, different places, Cork and volunteers get out of their bed on Monday morning and come in and phone elderly and vulnerable people who want to be phoned and back and forward and they think we can't get through to them. If we can't get through to them on Monday, we have a next of kin to contact. Maybe uh, we'll have to go contact them and they're fine, thank God, but they have no phone. 
and that's why. And it's it's a real worry. I think that point that you've raised about the the pendant alarm. I mean, the elderly people can live independently on their own, and their families know they're okay because if anything, God forbid, goes wrong, they can press the pendant uh, around their neck or if they have it on on their wrist. But if that's not working, that's a real, real worry. If they haven't, that is working, and and for all they think help has been organised because all they do is press the button, but they don't know that they don't know that it hasn't been connected to anybody because the phone line is down with storm melding or some other storm and we you know they might know the, for- the, the, the line is out of order so they're in real trouble because help can't be got and they think it's coming which is worse but it's just not acceptable in 2020 and I I, I, I worry greatly about the rollout of broadband for a lot of times I suspect they didn't bother about our, our doing it they want to head us all into the towns and, and uh, cities and uh, we can see now thankfully with this COVID situation people living isolated areas are, 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 are safer. Are much safer, yeah. And, and, and the, you know something as well that I always think about when we get contacted by particularly elderly people because as you said the phone is gone and what's, how do we get through to air and, and, and all of that. A lot of those elderly customers have been so loyal yeah. to air, to, to telecom, to aircom, you know, as even as all the years as the names changed, they were with them from day one. And look, loyalty, I, as I said, in my business, I deal with families. And I mean, the older people, they wouldn't have, they'd go without their dinner some days to make up the money to have the amount for the phone or the approximate amount. That's the kind of honest people they are. They want to pay you before you go into the air to do work for them. I mean, the plant tire and agricultural. I mean, they are decent customers and they deserve to be treated like that. They have a contract with air and the contract is the two way street it should be. But this is shambolic. I called it, you know. A, stronger words than at all. I asked Minister Ryan the reply he read out I actually suggested and I hate suggesting look to like tissue paper, tiny paper I call it because it was useless. Just reading out a standard reply about Cranbrake and complaint system, you can't get through to make a complaint. You can't I mean who's going to wait? The average waiting time is fifty eight minutes. Imagine the average so the average waiting time wouldn't want to be any more than And five that's minutes. just to log the complaint. Just to log the complaint. And <laughs> I have sorry. had cases three and six months. And wow. And, and many Mary has contacted. She said, I used to work for a telephone company. I'm assuming this would have been the original telecom air. And she said, if you reported a problem with your phone in the morning, it was fixed that evening. Yes. Now you're waiting months. So they it, were able to do it. That time, the telephones were in the, in, the, in the post offices and they were a wonderful team. Then they teams them in. I knew many of them. And they were out there with the lorries and the JCBs putting up the poles and the and then there was people that to repair them like that the same day and now the poles are fell into fields they fell out on roads where, where, where high loads can't pass the wires are down on ditches that a farmer on to me the other day he couldn't counsel instruction cut his hedges he couldn't because the phone line is fell down along the hedge and you know they're just they're, just, they're, they're disgraceful they have no respect for their their, uh, their lines the poles most of them an awful lot of them are rotten ready to fall and I pity uh, you know um, from a safety point of view uh, I understand this kind of work climbing up at those poles because they're they're, they're, they're rotten most of them they're covered in ivy and they're just neglected they're, they have no bit of respect in the company they seem to be able to, to drive it into the ground get whatever profit and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they if they, if they abandon it all. Well they must be losing customers Well they are losing customers and or face so why wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean who would wait for me if I tell somebody I'll empty your septic tank for you um, next, tomorrow Saturday and I don't come for two months I mean they couldn't live in that situation so I wouldn't be called again and rightly so because your what is your bond they have no word and no bond, and then uh, you know, they get no sympathy. Uh, not blaming the people in the call centre; they're just not enough of them. And the problem is, they don't have foot soldiers on the ground, and the few they have are torn, torn and dragged, you know, 
going 15, 16, 70 miles, you know, that makes no sense whatsoever to, to, to do repairs. Okay, so so what's the answer, Matty? What, what do you want the Minister for Communications, Eamon Ryan, to do? What I can want, he do? I want him to get that company back, buy that company into the, into, the, into, the, into the state, because I'm not one of these mad socialists that want everything nationalised, but I want them, a company and maybe um, resold uh, to some company that we can depend on that have a stricter, uh, stricter set of guidelines that they have to supply a service. I mean, they're getting paid for it. If you don't pay, you're cut off. So, I mean, they're getting paid for it and the land rental. So, uh, no point talking about Comrade. Comrade is not fit for purpose. Uh, we've seen where the, the Marine Casualty Investigation Board, two members have resigned rather recently because the investigations have been found to be useless. Uh, we've, seen, um, we've seen the competition authority. We see the situation with the farmers and the, and the beef. I mean, th- th- those agencies that are there, and they all have chairpersons and boards and uh, teams, but they're there in name and body and they're getting remuneration, but they're not doing the purpose they're not there for. This wouldn't be tolerated. Well, I know a lot, a lot of people certainly do complain to to Comreg, but I, I don't know how many of no them. No avail. Okay, all right. Listen, before we let you go, uh, Matty, as you say, you are in uh, Tipperary, the latest league uh, around the country, county by county, how people, how counties are doing when it comes to COVID-19. Tipperary are on the bottom, which means they're doing the best. You must be quite pleased the figure's doing well in Tipperary. I am pleased, and I don't want to listen to people that died and anyone that died too many, but we need honesty. And I see where RT now have ads on about the truth in the news. They're still pending a figure out there that's not true. Those figures were corrected for the deaths uh, about two months ago. And for one day they were corrected and they're back up again. So we need honesty here and we need integrity. We need to, I, had a, I had a person on to me yesterday, an email. Uh, they were sick on Sunday. Uh, Care Doc came to them. And Care Doc... Care Doc is the South Doc sorry, that we have here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out of our and they, uh, put, they told them that they needed to go for a test. And then they got, they had no more of the test until they got a call uh, yesterday evening from the, from the test centre. But the test centre only got that call um, the midday on, on yesterday. So uh, there's, there's, there's lags in the system all the way along. That man could be the breadwinner. His family couldn't walk either or move around. They have to, they have to, unlike the public, and it's the only one in the world that's not listened to the news, uh, open the most common that didn't know that he yeah, was. Yeah, I was meant to self isolate, yeah. Because yeah. I, you know what I mean. But anyway, I don't. Yeah, the, the the testing we need to have same day testing, and we need to have same day results as well in your, in order for the economy to keep going for sure. And we haven't. Though, All right. That, that okay. Listen. Ago. Well, stay safe, and uh, thanks for joining us Thank on the program this morning. Good morning Thank to you. That is Independent All Deputy for Tipperary, Matty McGrath. Certainly not happy with the customer service on behalf of Air. Somebody says Air are absolutely useless. You simply can't talk to them. Dennis says, I've said it before and I'll say it again, they're an organisation that you simply need to leave. The simple solution is switch and run as fast as you can and never look back. Eventually they will have no customers and they'll end up going uh, broke. Um, yeah, and he's Dennis is making the point he can't understand why people stick with them out of a sense of uh, loyalty. And you will have older people who've been with no other company but what is now AIR have been with them for many, many years. Amanda in Mallow says, like all big companies, they decided to merge everything into one office and 
by doing that they get rid of a lot of staff it ticks boxes in head office and obviously it saves money as well uh, when it comes to staff numbers but on the ground the service falls apart I know I worked for a phone company not Air says Amanda but similar things happened there and the service simply went downhill all because management thought reducing staff would obviously reduce uh, costs so they closed down centres and let staff go but it simply didn't work 1850 John Paul and uh, Sadie are taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to uh, 0862103103. Now, I just want to bring you a statement. This was a follow on to something that we did last week on the programme when I was joined by a caller whose adult son is attending a daycare service with uh, St. Joseph's Foundation and has moved to a hub in Newmarket. Now, her main complaint uh, last week was the lack of transport her son's service starts at half eight in the morning but she starts work at 8.15. The, it, it, the service is 25 minutes away from her home. There, previous to COVID kicking in, there had been door-to-door service for everybody who attended St. Joseph's Foundation but now there's very little transport and transport is certainly one of her big issues. Anyway, we got onto St. Joseph's Foundation and we got a response from them saying like all other disability service providers, they have to adapt to a new way of working to ensure that they provide the safest possible service during COVID-19. They say the requirement to limit numbers of people being in the same location to access service and, and work together has an necessitated the opening of new locations. Otherwise, those attending their service, which had been based on the campus in Charleville, would not have been able to avail of, uh, or would have been availing of a much more reduced service. In relation to the opening of the locations, including the new hubs, all families were contacted prior to opening to discuss the service located for their family member. This is open to review on an individual basis and if there's any particular concern for a family member attending any of the hubs, we will of course discuss this with them. We are in very uncertain times and we must work together to ensure that everyone is as safe as possible and that they receive their day service in the safest way possible. St Joseph's Foundation continue to follow HSE and public health advice. Now on transport, they They say a risk assessment process was completed and all families were requested if they could provide transport for their family member as per HSE advice. This was to support the service users to get back to their service where limitations were imposed on the provision of transport. Those who require transport based on their needs, are prioritised at this point of time. And again, they reiterate they're happy to talk to any family member who has a real concern in this area. Uh, And I know the transport issue is, as per the HSE advice, the HSE, it seems, has contacted all of the service providers for disability services and said to them, get the families to provide their own transport and to drop their loved ones to their service and it's causing huge problems not just here in Cork it's causing huge problems all over the country I think it's probably one of the biggest bones of contention at the moment with the reopening of disability services for adults is the lack of transport I certainly have been following it online and hearing from families all over the country who are very upset in some cases because transport isn't available there might be a service but because the family can't physically bring the person to the service it means that the service user is is not attending which is really really uh, shocking and I mean the service is back up and running it's probably half the service that it was pre-COVID and I think that's the way it's going to be people are getting two maybe three days a week on a shortened day and I think that's the best that they're going to get 
I think until there's a vaccine I'd love to say give it another few weeks and everything will be back to normal but my gut instinct tells me it won't but anyway to any family member whose loved one is attending St Joseph's Foundation that's the, the message that the management are happy to talk to any family member who has a real concern uh, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Or today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 Mary says Hi Patricia listening to Matty McGrath he is definitely right air or a disaster I was waiting for somebody to answer the phone for one hour and 20 minutes by God Mary you have some patience uh, my advice is stay well clear uh, they are so unhelpful and they were unhelpful way before Covid ever came in so please don't anybody say that this is to do with uh, Covid-19 and Annie was on to us to say last year she reckons it was in the middle of January a young man uh, told her if she switched to air she'd get a good deal now I'm assuming it was somebody called to the door they do a lot of cold uh, calling a lot of the phone companies this isn't just air uh, but they do they do go door to door uh, so Annie decided to sign up because this young man very persuasive telling him what a great deal she was going to get and I quote air she said I was robbed by them she said my bills were so high I could not believe it in the end my son who's a barrister had to get involved he had a big fight on his hand but he eventually got it sorted but it did take quite some time uh, said um, Annie and Eamon Ryan the Minister for Communications that Matthew McGrath spoke about is living in a cocoon. Life does not exist beyond Dublin for him. He simply does not get rural Ireland. And another listener says, re-air. My dad died in 2018 and we couldn't get through to cancel the line. Isn't that dreadful? You've enough to be dealing with with the loss of your dad without having to battle with a phone provider to say, please, my father's passed away. We want to disconnect the phone because the bills will still keep coming in if you don't get the line disconnected. And just on Cork and COVID and where are we? And John Paul will be joining us after 11 going through the local electoral areas to see what areas have seen a rise in COVID-19 cases. But I've been following the map of Ireland and the league table that they do where they run it's the 26 counties and it goes from the highest number of cases down to the lowest number of uh, cases and they've just updated that map of Ireland and Donegal has now gone ahead of Dublin for the most cases. Now this is rate per 100,000. It doesn't mean that they have the most COVID-19 cases. Dublin obviously because of the population base uh, will always have the most COVID-19 positive cases but they look at the rate per 100,000 because that shows how it's spreading across the county. So Donegal for the first time has gone ahead of Dublin. I think that's probably the first time that Dublin hasn't been on the top of that league of 26 counties. We here in Cork were celebrating the fact this day last week that we were second from the bottom. There was only one county lower than us and that was Sligo and we had I think it was 12.2 or 12.6 per 100,000 cases of COVID-19 and it was a fantastic result for Cork and then during the week we started to see a rise day on day for Cork on the number of cases and we went from being second from the bottom we went to being sixth from the bottom latest League of 26 counties is out today and today unfortunately Cork is now 11th from the top. Our rate per 100,000 has gone from 12.2 to 42.2. 
which is a real, real shock. Sligo is now second from the bottom. And as I mentioned to Matty McGrath, Tipperary, County Tipperary now has the lowest rate per 100,000 and they are at a 15.7. But it truly is shocking what is happening here in Cork. We all, as they say, need to double down. And there's advice being given out about families and how we need to mix with just our family. And the general advice is that households stay to households. You forget about the rest of your family. You forget about the extended family. You forget about the aunts and the uncles and the cousins. And they're suggesting if we all do that for the next few weeks, we will be able to get the figures under control. The family unit, they're saying, is to remain within the one household. So whoever you live with, that's your family bubble. And they're saying to people, because of they've seen from the communion parties, the confirmation parties, and unfortunately, the funerals are going to bring, well, they're all family members, but they're coming from different households. And what happens is, even if you've just got a gathering of 15 people, might all get together after the burial of a loved one. But if you've got 15, 20 people maybe coming from seven or eight different households, they're all family members, but they're coming from different households. All you need is one person to get into the middle of that group with COVID-19. And obviously you're all together. You're not wearing masks. You're very relaxed because you're with maybe your brother, your sister, your aunt, uh, your uncle, your mother, your father. So you're very relaxed with each other. But all it needs is one person to get into that situation get into that setting, COVID-19, no symptoms at all, unaware that they even have, or that they could be spreading COVID-19. And then the seven or eight households all go back to their own households and they bring it with them and you can see how it's, and it just seems to be so, so contagious. 1850-333-103, John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with Patrick Walsh, who along with his son, Adrian, have been living in a disused bus near Blarney with no sanitation and no electricity. Many of our listeners were very upset by the story and hoped that the two men would be rehomed um, soon, especially with winter upon us. An online fundraiser called A Home for Patrick and Adrian has been set up and in a couple of minutes I'll speak with one of the organisers of that fundraiser. But Patrick Walsh joins me uh, first on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning. Okay, you, as I, as, I, as I said to listeners there, we spoke a few weeks ago about you've been living in the bus. It's four years now, isn't it? It is, yeah. And just can you remind listeners how you ended up living in a disused bus? Uh, I was living in Dunhamore in the apartment for eight years and didn't meet them. Have an excellent opening to match the school. So I had to go over there and get them and when I brought them back to the apartment. There's only one bedroom apartment. So the landlord uh, talked to the it was a month and a half to kill. They were in you know, the hotels so months upon months and used to be far months there, so you know, he wasn't well. And we get to know where the place we go. Then we went to the Vincent's for nearly twelve months there. The Vincent's. And uh and uh, we got turned out there as well because he used to look, he used to, our dooms looked the same and he went to any room he go to sleep, you know? Yeah, and because just to let the listeners know, Adrian has an acquired head injury because of that accident. So yeah. the Adrian you brought home back from Wales was very different to the Adrian who left to go to Wales to work. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you then ended up, somebody made you aware that there was this disused bus that you could use. Yeah, we were sleeping in the van down the locks for four months. And a neighbor of mine said, there's a bit of ground out there and there's a bus. He said, you could do it up. So uh, I bought the caravan. This is part of the stuff over the caravan and put it into the bus. That's how I ended up in the, in the air. But the bus is is very, very dilapidated and it, it certainly the photographs I've seen of it, Patrick, it's getting worse because of weather conditions, etc. It's absolutely wrong. And it's a rat-infested area. It is. You know, the water rats. You could, you could hear them fighting and eat the bunks at night and they're up to again. My God. It was bitterly cold. The weather certainly turned this week from what it was like last week. Patrick, what have, what have conditions been like this week for you and Adrian? Oh, it's terrible. We had to leave, had to leave the heater on all night. We had gas heater. If we turn it off, we just, you turn blue with the cold. That's not we safe. Is that safe to leave a gas heater on all night? No. We could bore a bottle in front of it. And how is Adrian doing, Patrick, through all of this? Yeah, he's just looking out the window. Just looking out the window? Yeah. Let me bring in uh, Kate Durant, who set up this online fundraiser. Uh, good morning to you, Kate. Morning, Patricia. Thank you very much for highlighting well, this again. Well, listen, it's just such a heartbreaking story because I was I was thinking of Patrick and, and Adrian the night before last because yeah. it was just bitterly cold. You know, yeah. we're we're all in you know insulated warm houses, That's and right. you're thinking, what are they heading to bed? What is it like uh, heading heading to bed? Tell me about your online campaign and and what you are hoping to achieve. Okay. Well, well, what? Um Patrick and Adrian, they, they've been working with a lovely woman called Marianne from Headway and local Vincent Paul people, as well as uh, we've tried to help them through Blarney, uh, Care of the Aged, Meals on Wheels. And between us all, we've looked at different solutions. They are now back on the council waiting list, but look, so are 8,000 other people. So we've got to be realistic. That's not going to happen today or tomorrow. Um, some kind of person cleared their arrears, which has, made, which has made that path open to them. But they will qualify for HAP. So we've tossed around all the ideas. And what we're really, really hoping and, and begging for is that somebody may have a house. It doesn't have to be palatial. These are two gentlemen, and with the best of respects, they're not going to be putting up neck curtains. And I'm sure Patrick, you won't argue with me on that one. Um, but we'd love we'd love a really nice house where they can have their dog, where they can have their van in the yard, where they can have a bit of space. Because I think I know personally, if I'm used to living in a certain way, and the lads have been used to living in a certain way, so we don't want to restrict them too far by maybe putting them into a housing estate. But if somebody had a house that they were willing to rent, they will get HAP payment. Vincent de Paul, I'm very happy to, to furnish a house for them. We will fundraise to get a deposit for them and anything else they need. And they will receive as much help as they want in that house from Marianne in Headway and from us in Vincent de Paul. So we just, 
hope there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of support begging. out there, there and is, a lot of goodwill is. so there's there's loads of people want to help Patrick and Adrian and, and help them settle in and the, the fundraiser you're looking you'll buy essentials that will be needed for the house exactly I mean the lads the lads are starting from nothing because because they're out there I mean people sent in lovely offers yesterday they had recovered it PJ uh, covered it and you know, people are sending offers of stuff for them, but they haven't even got anywhere to put stuff because Patrick, I mean, you, you, there's no place even to hang a coat. So stuff is very welcome and will be if we're lucky enough to get them the house for now. We we need someone to give these lads a break. We need someone that's got a house that maybe they can't afford to do up at the moment, but is in really, really solid condition that we can that, that is warm, that has heating, that has good sanitation, that has that has a backyard for the van and the dog, that has somewhere that they can that they can actually just call their home and they can start to breathe again. That I, I got a very generous offer from a couple of people yesterday to give them somewhere for the winter, but I'd hate to put them in somewhere and move them again in March because I've had a long trauma. Yeah, because um, I was I was know. straight away thinking of a holiday home yeah. uh, because the yeah. holiday season is behind us. But That's you right. don't want the situation where no. Patrick and Adrian get settled and then come the summertime next year. Sorry, boys, you got you've got to move you, on. You know what? It's not fair. And, and yeah. for Adrian, I think change. You know, change is hard for any of us. Um, for Adrian, it's even harder than for a lot of us. And for Patrick as well. I mean, Patrick is 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 minding Adrian so well. He's such a loving father. That with all the challenges he's got going on, I mean, we've all found the last six months difficult and that's us in our lovely warm houses I have no idea how the guys have gone through it and they are two gentlemen there isn't there isn't a bad bone in either of their bodies they are lovely loving people they're a loving father and son and they would be absolutely lovely tenants and as I can't reinforce enough they'd be backed up by people they'd be supported and and Patrick are you touched by the level of kindness and generosity that's out there towards you and Adrian yeah yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And so, please, Patricia, if anyone's yeah. got a house, please, please, please take a chance. Right? There's no chance to take. It's look, look. Let's go back six months where it was all about being kind and being kind and minding each other. Right? The money will be there for this house. It will be well looked after. Patrick, I know you will look after a house within an inch of your life and the boys will be safe. I mean, what a lovely thing to, to be able to do to change the life of these two gentlemen who really deserve it. And that's what you'll do. You will literally be changing somebody's somebody's yeah. life. OK, we'll stay in contact, uh, Kate, with you, you and also you Patrick with you. Uh, thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. God bless. Good morning. Good morning, Patrick. Look after yourself. Morning. Okay, God bless. God bless. That's a tough, tough situation that Patrick and Adrian find themselves in, bearing in mind that Adrian has that acquired brain injury because of that um, accident. The GoFundMe page, by the way, if you would like to donate, is called A Home for Patrick and Adrian Walsh. That's the fundraising side to get deposits together, to get, you know, whatever kind of a house they get, whatever furniture might be needed. They might need a new cooker, a washing machine might be needed whatever's needed for the home will come out of that particular fund but the big big push is the need for a house if anyone knows of a house for rent uh, can you contact us and we'll put you in contact with Kate and the rest of the gang that are doing their very very best to look after Patrick and Adrian 1850 333 103 This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some reaction when I read out the statement that we received from St. Joseph's Foundation talking about their disability services and how in a very changed world and the challenging world in which we live they've opened up regional hubs and this is so that they wouldn't be able to accommodate all of the numbers that originally went to St Joseph's Foundation at the campus in Charvis so they've opened up these regional hubs but not all of the families uh, seem to be pleased with that judging by some of the calls we've had into the programme firstly a listener who doesn't want her name caught out said I am sick of all the whining about the new daycare services for people with disabilities. Families have to step up. Gone are the days when you got everything on a plate. There are plenty of tax, taxis and hackney services available. If you want your child to go somewhere, if I want my child to go somewhere and I can't take her, then I'll organise transport myself by booking a taxi or a hackney. People need to move on. We are in the 21st century. There's some listener who doesn't want her name called out. While Marie says on St Joseph's Foundation, some of the younger adults Marie feels have been completely described discriminated against. She says transport is provided for some but it's not provided for all. She feels that our quiet young adults have been relegated to what she says are unsuitable hubs where they've none of the facilities that they'd access to when they attended St Joseph's Foundation in Charleville. Their parents and guardians are being penalised for the young adults' good behaviour. I'm sickened, I'm distressed and extremely disappointed with the way we've been treated by the people who are paid and supposed to be caring for our precious young adults with special uh, needs. Well, Marie, this, the latest statement we've in from St Joseph's Foundation say that they're happy to talk to any family member who has a real concern in this area. So my suggestion to you and no doubt you have been talking to them already is to keep talking to them and remember it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease uh, Just uh, and I know families of parents with special needs I just get sick to the teeth of constantly having to fight and constantly having to shout and constantly trying to get hard but keep at it and just uh, don't give up. Don't give up is my, is my message to you. 1850 Now let me move to love these when there's a kind of a good news story or when people take time out just to say thank you to somebody who they feel went above and beyond. And uh, this morning we've had an email in and it is reacting to the fantastic work that's done by the West Cork Rapid Response Team and we know on this programme how fantastic Dr Jason Vandervelt and the rest of the team at the West Cork Rapid Response are. But John James Brennan from Knocked Off in Domamwe has contacted us. Good morning to you, John James. Good morning, Patricia. You are welcome to the programme and thank you for sending this email in to us and it is with regard to your lovely fiance Peggy, who That's got, really got into quite a serious situation on Wednesday. Take me back and tell me what happened. Yeah, on Wednesday there, um, we were coming down to Copine and I suppose it was the first show rain fell in, I suppose, uh, two weeks, like, which was I was driving myself, like, we got an old skate in the road, anyway, and um, to cut a long story short, and poor Peggy was, um, she kind of ended up worse, worse for wear, like, you know, and um, yeah, we had the rapid response there, came on the scene, I suppose they were on within about 15 minutes or something, which I couldn't I even understand. How do we have that kind of a service in West Cork? You know, until you're So hang on, the, you, 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 you skidded on the road and the car, you crashed? We did, yeah. We hit the... Um, I was near the petrol pumps there and copying. Okay, and was there was there people around? There was, yeah. There, there was a woman came out from the shop and things there as well. She called the um, the fire brigade and things like that, and the ambulance and things like that. Like, so you you were out of the car, were you at this stage? I was, yeah. But Peggy couldn't come out of the car because she was trapped inside in the car. Was she conscious? 
She was conscious, yeah. She was conscious, yeah. But pinned inside in the car? Pinned inside in the car, yeah. Oh, that's a scary, scary experience. So so somebody dials 999 and suddenly you say within 15 minutes? It was within 15 minutes. Do you know, I didn't even hardly see it landing. And I was amazed when I saw it over landing in the field. I oh, couldn't believe it. It was the air ambulance arrived? The air ambulance, the air ambulance was there before there was any ambulance or a bit there, like. It was the first thing on the scene. The air ambulance and Dr. Jason in the Jeep. Don't don't we know that Jeep and how yeah. we, we were all involved in the Jeep for Jason and, and my yeah, God, it, yeah, sa- yeah. it saved many a life. So they arrived and they... So t- talk us through what happened then. Well, um, Dr. Jason, I suppose he kind of went above and beyond of being a doctor at all. And um, he had his own gear for opening the door to the car and things like that, like... But you wouldn't expect any doctors to go doing them kind of things, like. But the people of West Cork here, we don't even realise, I don't think, some of us, the service that we have in having him around the place. I've travelled the world over now and I, and I have never seen a doctor to work like him. It was like something you'd see in a film or something, like. He's an know? incredible individual, isn't he? Absolutely unbelievable. Just, just kind of a public thank you, I suppose, really, of all other things above, like, is what... Um, is what I'm kind of ringing in about is to thank him and to highlight the service that's out there that people don't realise, like. And they're know. all volunteers. All that gang, the work of the West Coast Rapid Response are volunteers. People forget oh. that as well. They have day oh, jobs. Volunteers. And then yeah. on their downtime when they're off, that's when they, they kick in as part of the West Cork Rapid Response. So that's Dr. Right, Jason yeah. managed to get the door open and he was able to treat Peggy, obviously, there and then, was he? There and then, yeah. And um, she was there, lifted in a book to above to the hospital above in car but um, and then all that then is all um, by fundraising to the, to the government at all is paying for it like which is um, just bloody shocking really like that they're depending on uh, fundraising coffee mornings and raffles etc yeah. which, which and there's an incredible crew behind is, Dr yeah. Jason who do, all, who do all that fundraising but tell me yeah. how is Peggy doing? Peggy's doing all right. She's up and sitting up in the bed and I'm laughing away. But, um, <laughs> no bones broken. They're not sure yet about bones and things like that, like, but she'll be fine within about six months and things like that, like, you know. Okay. But, um, and yourself? Yeah, I'm grand out. <laughs> Did you but, go to um, hospital as well? I, I went in to see Peggy and things there. That looks like you wouldn't be left in notice about COVID-19 and things like, which is understandable and things, you know. But, um, She's out of intensive care and all that kind of thing, like. But she, oh, oh, oh she in? I didn't realize she was in intensive care. That's serious enough. Serious enough, yeah. The the, the man with fire brigade as well. I want to be thanked, and um, the guardian Bandon as well came on the scene. But um, just just to thank you and it for them that were involved, it's like you know. And previous to this accident happening, John James, were you not aware of the fantastic work that was going on? You'd, I did because uh, you'd often hear of it like they, they used to be fundraising there through vintage rallies and things for it like and there was actually a neighbour of ours here when Dunman we belong Valley Hallick he fell from a horse and um, it was the rapid response came out to him with Dr. Jason as well I suppose it was 12 months ago but you'd often hear of it and you'd kind of um, you wouldn't kind of take much notice of it until you'd um, be wanting it like and, you know and see it in action yeah, and see it in action yeah People don't understand, and there's people listening now, and they're, they'll hear about rapid response and the rapid response, but until they'll want it, they won't understand what service that it is. There's, there's countries in the world that 
that uh, are far, far, far from having the like of it, like. You know? And the air ambulance, John James, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. We nearly, that air ambulance is, is a charity, is funded. We, is, yeah. we nearly lost that, only the Coolmore Stud stepped in a few weeks ago and put fun, right. funding in. That ambulance may not have been available for your Peggy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and sure, to be um, to be an hour, maybe up, up to the hospital above in Cork and the, the road from Copying up to Cork wouldn't be the greatest, like, to be going when you'd have a pain in your side with, 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 uh, of a pelvis or something like that, like, you know. Okay. All right. Listen. Well, thank you. You're, thank you for taking time out to join us this morning and for putting the email together because I think we have to give credit where credit is, is due. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I think they're not thanked enough, and that people don't realise what is. You know, people uh, don't realise what we have. And we need more Dr. Jasons in this world, don't we? We do. And the crew with the helicopter as well were very nice. There, were, there was one man in particular. She, do, she didn't get his name. Okay. But he kept her very calm and things inside the helicopter. So he knows who he is anyway. He's out there listening, I suppose, maybe. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, to all of them. Anyway, that, that, that uh, helped us when we were a bit down, like, you know. Somebody says, Dr. Jason lives in the lovely village of Lyre, so copying wouldn't be that far. He is great to save lives down here in West yeah. Cork. Yeah, I've, listen, I've met him on many occasions. And can I also, because I do, and I know whenever I get the opportunity, I try to publicly credit as well, Dr. Jason's wife. He's got an amazing woman behind him because he's got a young family and she backs him up and supports him so that he's able to do all of this work and be constantly available uh, to people. So let's recognise the, the great family he has behind him as well. Listen, Will you pass on our best wishes, John James, to Peggy? I will, of course. I will, of course, yeah. And is she, is she from Cork City? She's only recently moved to the area. She, yeah, she actually moved down from Galway, way out in Letter Callow, and um, way out in Connemara. And I met her actually out in a cruise ship there and things like that. Did but you? She only recently moved down, and it was a bit unfortunate like, that that's going to happen to the two of us, you know. You fell in love on the high seas. I did. I had to go. I had to go to Mexico to meet a girl from Galway. <laughs> <laughs> and have you a date set? No, not yet. There's no date yet, set, but um, it won't be long now. Like you know. But the ring is on the finger, is it? The the ring is almost on the finger. It is okay. Get working on that now, won't you? Listen. Thanks a million for joining us and sharing your story with us this morning. Patricia, thanks very much for having me on here. I appreciate that. Well, our pleasure. Thanks God bless. Much. Bye-bye. Thanks, uh, John James bye-bye. Brennan there from Knocked Off in Domanway. As I say, we send best wishes to his lovely fiance Peggy, who's up in CUH at the moment. But yes, Dr. Jason and the rest of the team and all of the gang at the Air Ambulance, they are incredible and we are blessed to have them. But we need to support them because they're fundraised and... John James is right it is something really that if we lived in a different country maybe if we would more money I don't know I don't know what the solution is but it's it's shocking to think that they have to go out on flag days and rattle buckets and organise table quiz and have coffee mornings in order to keep a service like the Air Ambulance and the West Cork Rapid Response uh, to keep it going but we are truly blessed in West Cork to have Jason uh, Dr Jason in our midst that is for sure 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Full time live in carers and wanted that's for Cork City and County. While the Bon Secours Hospital, they're recruiting for an occupational health nurse and an endoscope nurse. 
Dispatch Supervisor, that's wanted for Skibbereen, and Daniel's Fast Food, they're based in Bandham. They've got vacancies for a kitchen porter and fast food assistants. You'll find all the details and many more jobs by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. With Halloween a little over a month away, the annual problem of fireworks has once again raised its ugly head. Councillor Kenneth Flynn is urging people to report incidents of fireworks to their local Gardaí. And Councillor Kenneth Flynn joins me. Good morning, Chicken. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. I suppose, firstly, it's important to point out that the sale and use of fireworks are illegal in this country. That that hasn't changed, has it? Uh, No, it hasn't changed. It carries a prison sentence of up to five years and up to a €10,000 fine. Um, What I have noticed and what has been reported to me from my constituency and the adjoining constituencies, uh, which is ranging from Blarney to Bishopstone, um, is that there is a huge increase in antisocial behaviour caused by uh, fireworks. I've had stories of people having fireworks aimed at their properties, aimed at themselves, bangers being left off in people's gardens, which which is extremely upsetting for animals, um, in particular dogs. Uh, And this type of um, aggressive behaviour and silly sort of carry-on, we have people leaving off fireworks at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Not these big, expensive delightful ones to look at. You know, they're the bangers, they're the loud things, they're the bit of light out of them, but mainly noise. Um, and it is causing a lot of upset to elderly people, to people with special needs, and again, to animals as well. It's very, very dramatic and upsetting um, for animals. I've had so many people telling me how their dogs are terrified, and then their neighbours are complaining, not only is the banger going off, or the firework is going off, that your dog is barking on. Oh, I know, I know. So and we've had, if the dog is out, as we're all saying to people this time of the year, make sure your animals are kept well indoors, yeah. because a dog will get a fright and will run. For, and a cat as well, and will run many miles away, and you could end up losing a much uh, loved pet. Exactly. I, I had a same Bernard for years, and any time a firework went off, uh, she safely moved herself underneath our bed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I tried to get tried to get her out. <laughs> yeah, but that's a big but dog to be getting out from, from under a bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and are we okay? What are we talking about here? Mainly young people who are engaged in this, and they we, they think it's do. a bit of fun. Well, you know, there's a lot of people, I suppose, they don't realise the con- consequences and the noise effect and how it upsets other people. Uh, I think there's there's an element of that, but there's also an element which is very disturbing when people are using fireworks and firecrackers and pointing them at somebody's windows, somebody's doors, some, uh, leaving them off deliberately and targeting people. We've had a situation, as I understand, in Dublin, where somebody had a, a firework aimed at her face and it has is currently undergoing um, reconstructive sur- surgery. There does seem to be a lot after coming in from Northern Ireland and being sold around Cork uh, and Dublin as well. Now, look, I'm just reminding people this is illegal to use these. It is upsetting for animals, it's upsetting for people with... Uh, this, Specifically, elderly people or people with, uh, with 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 special needs, and I'm asking people to have a small bit of cop on, a small bit of of, of respect for one another, respect for your neighbours, respect for your neighbourhood, and please don't use these. You know, um, it, it's very upsetting. I have written actually to the first minister in Northern Ireland, um, 
this morning about it. Uh, and asking them to curtail the sale of fireworks. See, there in, you, in can legally, you can legally you can legally buy them in the north. Is, you can, you can go across. You can go across the border, and within seconds, you can stop in these petrol stations and various little shops that are on the border on the border, and buy a glut of fireworks. You, there is no restriction. You can come back with an entire carload full of fireworks. And do you reckon that's how they're getting they're getting down to core? From what I understand. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And from speaking to my contacts in Gardaí, most of these are coming in from Northern Ireland. Oh, because I know you can and buy them online, but the, what, yeah. the, the danger of buying them online, if they because are illegal... They'll go, they'll go off and they can be... Yeah. A lot of them are confiscated immediately when they come into customs. But a lot of them don't pass the safety, the CE they, safety they, check. Correct. correct. And a lot of them don't, don't ever leave the country because they're, they're, they're highly explosive and very dangerous even to be shipped. Um, I think the big problem that we're seeing here is that... You know, we always kind of had it around the Halloween kind of time. And, of course, the big kind of worry that we had was people picking up fireworks and picking up firecrackers. And, you know, you hear the stories of kids losing fingers mm. and, and explosions in their faces, all this sort of stuff and fire damage. Um, but it, it does seem to have started tremendously earlier this year. You know, we're going back to... Uh, we're going back, certainly the last two weeks, I've had a tremendous amount of reports of it from all over the city, but I'm probably going back to August when I started getting reports about this in different neighbourhoods. 
Yeah, because like we're only at what? Well, we're at the, the the 25th. We're over a month away. It used to be sort of the week leading into Halloween, yeah. and then you might get a night or two afterwards, and then they would all I be gone. But can I mean, young people aren't hopping into a car and driving over across the border. Are people bringing these down? And well, look, they, it's, it's like a little business is going it's on. Like a, look, it's the same as a great drug dealing, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're getting their hands on a product that shouldn't be sold, that is illegal to sell in this country, that is highly regulated in this country that does have a €10,000 fine uh, attached to it to be either selling it or to be in receipt of it um, and does carry a prison sentence with it. So there is very, very heavy laws on it. Um, so, look, it's criminal activity. It's, it's crime organisations, it's crime groups, crime families that are, you know, that are a lot of these guys, from what I understand, are dabbling in all sorts of illegal activities and this is just another outreach of something else to sell. So you could buy it and off the boys at the same time is, is, what, is what you're saying. Yeah. But this year, you reckon, for whatever reason, maybe there it's is, to do with COVID-19, maybe it's to do with lockdown, else. worse you, than you ever. Have draw, you have to draw the parallels. It has to be something involved with COVID. It has to be, you know, there's a lot more people at home. I know there's a lot less clubs and there's a lot less or, uh, things organised for younger people. And I know how frustrating it is for them. I know how difficult it has been for, for everybody in society. But, and that's why I'm appealing to people is to be respectful of each other, to remember that you might be affecting your neighbour. You know, I don't think you'd like it if it was your granny's house was, 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 was attacked or targeted. I don't think you'd like it if it was your dog was upset. And just have a small bit of respect for other people. Parental supervision? Because you like it done to yourself. Parental supervision? Know what oh, your kids sure. are doing? Look, I, you know, I, the other day I had a situation in my own constituency, I won't say where, where I had 50 children now, I regard them as children. They were all 14 to maybe 18 years of age, drinking um, and gathering. Uh, and not only just because the COVID situation, just the idea of it, but, you know, this was, I think I got the text about half 11, maybe 12 o'clock uh, at night. And, you know, it was just to imagine that you're a parent and you don't know where your 14-year-old is. There's something radically wrong in that household. And, you know, there has, parents have to take responsibility for their children and they have to take responsibility for their activities. Uh, and it's wrong that we don't know where our children are at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And social distancing going out the door, and I'm I sure and none of them wearing masks or no, anything, you know. No. And, and we're wondering why we're seeing a spike in numbers. And we are seeing increases now here in Cork again, you know. It, it does, listening to... Um, the Taoiseach earlier on on your on your sister radio station, it does look like we're 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 not too far away from going into um, phase three ourselves. You know, if things continue to, uh, to where they are, you wor- are you worried about those figures, Ken? Yeah, it is. It's concerning. You know, I think we were kind of we were very boastful in the last week or so, saying yeah. look how our figures are down and we're doing well and we're doing all the right things. Um, look, we we certainly are in 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 stage two, um, our wave two. I, I think from if you look at what's happening around Europe and what's you know, what's happening in small towns uh, in France, Spain, Italy, and you see the surges are coming back, we're probably about two weeks behind the other European countries. Um, so we look, we really need to curtail our movements. I know in my own constituency, I'm only taking appointments only. I'm leaving half an hour between people coming in. Um, you know, I think I've, I could have shares in Detox at this stage because I'm spraying shares the other, you know, um, but like, we're trying to do our best. Uh, and then when you see groups of 30, 40 young people gathering, no masks, no social distancing, uh, you know, you kind of wonder what in the name of God am I doing anything for? But also, 
And I know a couple of our listeners raised this. It was, and, and I've seen the letter, it went up on social media the, from the Direct Provision Centre on the Kinsale Road and the letter that went out to the residents that there had been, I think it was four confirmed cases at the Direct Provision Centre on the Kinsale Road, but that uh, residents weren't come, when they asked them to come forward for testing, the HSE said that they were very disappointed to say that the majority of res- residents had not come forward to the HSE and therefore they didn't know for sure how many cases or what was the ongoing transmission within the centre. And then somebody, a volunteer worker with the asylum seekers saying people living at the centre are afraid to miss work if they test positive. So rather than go forward for a test, they're just ignoring it. And, and that's a horrible story. And I think, you know, if we've learned anything from what happened in Offaly and what happened in, in the other meatpacking uh, areas where, where the breakouts were, um, you had a lot of migrant workers, people that didn't speak English very well, uh, people that were at a social disadvantage and were afraid to, to go on sick leave. And that has to be addressed as well, in fairness. you know. Uh, and it's, it's very sad. It's very sad that people feel that they, they have to put their economic situation ahead of their health. Uh, and, you know, you, ha- you, have to, you have to feel sorry for these people, but it has to be addressed by both HSE and by the Department of Social Welfare as well. People shouldn't be afraid to be sick from COVID-19 or to be diagnosed or take the test or be able to isolate. Mm. Um, and, that's and, and when you look at direct provision, we also need to, uh, to look at, you know, anyone who's in direct provision will tell you it's almost impossible to socially distance in a direct provision Correct. centre. They've got the shared rooms, yeah. shared bathrooms, shared showers, that whole uh, area well, needs to be looked at the, as well. The entire direct provision, um, the entire direct um, provision, provision. I couldn't think of the word. Sorry, thank you. Um, that needs to be addressed, and that's been festering for a very, very long time. There are people that are in this country that are in a limbo for the last nine, ten years. Um, I dealt with a gentleman from Nicaragua not so long ago uh, about the situation he was in, and you know, an extremely bright young man, a PhD, and wasn't able to work in this country, and you know, was only too willing to get out and do something. Uh, and that's the difficulty that you have as well, and that needs to be addressed. It needs to be processed an awful lot quicker. I'm not quite sure that these entire centres are a good idea anyway. I don't think they're good for integration. Yeah, I don't think they're good because you're putting people from very, very different cultures into the same, into sharing rooms. Um, and that causes huge anxiety and stress with people as well. And, and that's even before, before, before ever before COVID-19 correct, happened. Correct. It, 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 it is a scandal. And the problem is there that I find at times is because these people don't speak English, they're not from this country and they don't have a voice here and they're, they're being ignored. OK. All right, Candice, and we leave it there. Thank you for that. But God your message, bless. by the way, on the fireworks is report. You're report, saying pick report, up the phone report. and ring the guards. Pick up the phone, ring the guardie. Um, this happens, you know, don't rely on your neighbours to ring the guardie. Please don't. You know, do it yourself because a lot of the time big groups of neighbours are assuming that somebody is doing it and it's not being reported. It has to be reported, it has to be addressed and the guards have to act on it. Okay. All right, can we leave it there? Thank you for that and uh, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Cork City Councillor Ken O'Flynn. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now next Thursday is the 1st of October and it's been designated Tetra Pak Tree Day which is supported by the Tree Council of Ireland. Biologist, environmental consultant and Vice President of the Tree Council, Aina Nilauna, uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Aina. 
Good morning. And I have to tell you, I'm now the president. I got promoted. Oh, well, we will scratch out vice on my sheet and say president of the Tree Council. Anymore. I'm I'm the real. real Congratulations on on that appointment. (laughs) Now, what is the main aim of, of Tree Day? How do you describe this day to people? Well, we have this, we have this tetra, tetra pack our sponsors this year. So that's why it's, in fact, they've been our sponsors for the last 20 years. But that's why it's called Tetra Pack Tree Day. But we have a tree day every year for, I suppose, the last 20 years. And what it is, is a special day for primary school children to get involved and plant a tree on Thursday, the 1st of October. And of course, we have a theme every year for this, uh, for the primary school children. And this year's theme is called Be a Force for Nature. And this is to encourage primary school children around the country to become more active in sustainability and climate issues. Because, as you know, we really need the children to take the lead and take the role in this, given that we have such a lot of impact, which is not good on our environment. So this is an opportunity then for children and teachers and indeed the parents on this particular day, the 1st of October, to go outside and learn more about trees in particular. This time of the year, the trees are good. The leaves are, are, you know, still on them and they're turning golden. We have the nuts and the berries. So it's like trees are really coming into their own. Yeah, I I always think this is a magnificent time of the year when when it comes to the trees because of the colours. And I know we have a resident gardener on this programme. Peter Dowdell does a slot every week with us. He's always talking about the importance of native trees because they're so important for our biodiversity, aren't they? The native trees. Every, every year the Tree Council gives out a free tree for the schools to plant. And this year's free tree, you'll be glad to know, is a native Irish species called the Scots Pine. And the Scots Pine has pine cones on it, naturally enough. And these are food for squirrels. So the red squirrels in particular, more than the grey, the red ones are the ones we want. They are the ones who feed on the tear the pine nuts, pull them when they fall on the ground, and they open out the pine cones and get out the nuts out between the little small pine nuts. And as well as that, then the bees visit the tree as well, and they collect what they call propolis, which is kind of a glue, kind of a sticky substance that comes from the pine tree, and they can use it back in their hives for fixing up their beehives and fixing up their their, their combs, and it's kind of an antiseptic thing that bees use as well. So pine trees, Scots pine, are really good for biodiversity. In a way, you wouldn't think. You you might think, well, there's no flowers on them, there's no berries, but in fact, they have their nuts and they have the great juice for the bees as well. So that's what we're giving out, and now all they have to do is to go online to www.treeday.ie. It's a dedicated website from the Tree Council and from Tetra Pak for for this actual job to get to get your uh, to get the get tree. And um, yeah, you ask the schools to plant it on their school grounds, is it? Yes, that's generally yeah. what happens. And on the day or maybe the next day or whatever day it's used, you get your tree and then you have a little tree planting ceremony and you plant it out. And we've been doing this every year for ages. So some schools that have been doing this every year already have a holly tree and a spindle tree and a, you know, a spruce, not a spruce tree, what you call it, a, a birch tree, a different ones that we get out each year, all of which were actually native. So, you know, even if you only start this year, start your, your, your tree collection in school grounds. I mean, they take a while to grow up, you see, they're not, you only get a little sapling in the post 
because you're not going to work at yeah. a fully grown tree arriving on your doorstep. But, you know, from little acorns, don't, don't buy the oaks well, from indeed. Well, do you know something? My, my husband celebrated a significant birthday recently. And whenever well, we go back to uh, Clonmel, where we're originally from, and he was from out in the countryside, whenever we pass what was his old school, which is now no longer a school, it's, it's I think somebody lives in it, it's a house at the moment, small little rural it's school. It's a high school, high school in Clonmel. No, 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 this, this is a little rural school heading down towards oh. Kilsheelan outside Clonmel. And as we, dri- as we drive, as we drive, but as we drive past, he goes, you see the third tree down, it's a big long line of trees, he said, the third tree, I planted that, I think I when he was in that. first class. And he remembers yes. the exact tree he planted with another girl. They, <laughs> they paired up and they all planted a tree. And there's something lovely about watching this huge big tree as we and drive past it. Yeah, it's, it's great. So children will remember that. Children will, will remember that. They will, have, they will, they will indeed, yes. Have you a favourite native tree yourself? Well, I like native trees that do everything, that tick all the boxes. So I used to, for a long time in my own front garden, have a white bean, because a white bean gets most beautiful pale green leaves in springtime. They're not just the ordinary leaves, they're called a white bean because they have white on the backs of them. And then they get flowers, which are visited by the bees and the pollinators in general. And then in the autumn, they had orange berries on them. So, and then the leaves all fell off in the winter. So you knew which season it was looking out at your tree. So that was a good one. In the end, because I live in a small a small um, garden and live in a small house in Dublin and the garden is small, the tree got so huge, it was too big really for me front garden. So now I have a spindle tree instead and the spindle tree has the most beautiful leaves that go lovely autumn colours and then they fall off and then in spring we have lovely flowers on them and we have berries on them as well in the autumn. So I like native trees that tick lots of boxes not ones that just sit there doing nothing much, you know. Yeah. And most of our native trees are very good for, for, for biodiversity. Either they have nuts, like the, like the hazel tree, or they'll have pollen, like the, the, the hawthorn or the blackthorn, or the elder, which is great as well, or they'll have berries that the birds can eat, or they'll have, they'll have stuff the bees can collect. So, you know, it's, they're really, really good for biodiversity. And this is what we want to do on Petra Pack Tree Day. We want to actually bring all this to the attention of the kids and indeed of the of the teachers as well because on that on that um, website as well www3day.ie we have a whole list a whole collection they can download them of worksheets and stuff that kids can fill in all the way from from instance right up to sixth class so the teachers can have a, an afternoon off and all the kids are filling out their worksheets that all is on there as well it's all done especially well done. For, well you done. Know, for the teachers and do you, do you yeah. have great hope for the future in that t- t- children today they're very environmentally conscious certainly well they're certainly a lot better than they were 40 or 50 years yeah. ago which has to be attributed to changing curriculum in school to paying more attention and and then to their parents taking them out more. One of the things that did happen over the lockdowns and COVID was that people were confined to small areas around their, where they lived and parents brought their kids out. So, you know, they were able to observe the minutia that they mightn't be looking at otherwise of, of wildlife, of insects, of birds, of trees, flowers, all of the things that were within two kilometres of their house. And children are more aware of things that we can do like to protect our environment, things like recycling, like being the force for nature, like I said, become the recycling person for your family. You know, you can you can actually cut down on food waste, you're planting pollinators in the garden, 
These are all things that children are becoming more aware of. And indeed, they are teaching their parents, which is, has to be a good thing, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I know you're encouraging the children to do their learning outdoors. And, you know, some will say, oh, for God's sake, sure, our weather is it's too cold for children to go outdoors. They can wrap up warm and go out. There's no such thing as bad weather. It's just the wrong clothes. <laughs> I mean, what have you seen about the weather in Ireland? Ah, it's too hot. We can't go out. Ah, it's too cold. Ah, it's too windy. It's always grown-ups that ever complain about the weather. Kids never complain about the weather. I remember going to school in Mayo once and it was absolutely lashing rain, bucketing rain. We were probably thinking, well, we won't be going out anyway. And when I turned around, the kids were all at the door, in their wellies, in their raincoats, ready to go. And out I had to go and look at earthworms and things instead. Well, you know, because the kids were certainly going out. They had the parents, they had the visitor and they were going out of doors. So no excuse. Go and buy yourself a raincoat. Go and buy yourself welly boots. Buy yourself a woolly hat and get outside. Well done, well done. Dominic in uh, Mayfield says, in a tree outside our house, we've red squirrels. You can see them running up and down the trees. What a lovely, what a lovely sight. But Johnny... Squirrels don't hibernate, you know. They're around all winter. This is rubbish when the people say they hibernate for the winter. No, they don't. They collect all these nuts because they're eating them in the winter. So she's going to enjoy her squirrels all winter. They're not going to be gone away or anything like that. That's only in the rubbish that we all learn the story. <laughs> John and Glenn Gareth is worried about the squirrels this year. He thinks they're going to have a bad winter. He says there's no hazelnuts this year for the squirrels. Well, all the better than for planting your pine cones. Well, hazelnuts yeah. are only are only the start of it. I mean, the hazelnuts, the hazelnuts are only part of their fruit. And I mean, obviously, they eat hazelnuts in the autumn time. But what do they eat in spring and summer when there's no hazelnuts? I mean, the squirrels aren't eating. They can eat other things. Now, some people don't like them eating the barks of trees and nuts or, or the, the buds off the trees. They can eat the pine cones. They can eat other things. They can eat acorns in particular. So, like, it's, they're not just confined to hazelnuts. Okay, and I was delighted to see Cork County Council. They've got a new framework plan for Mallow Castle, the town park and the spa house. And it includes proposals for native trees and hedge planting because a lot of people were quite upset because a number of, now the council say they were non-native trees, had to be cut down around Mallow Town Park. And people were very upset about these uh, trees being cut down. Do you not like seeing... Being upset. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, trees live, trees are living things. They get sick. They get old, they die. I mean, they're not statues, they're not monuments. You know, if something happens to a tree, it's got a disease or it's old or whatever's wrong with it, it can be taken down and a new one planted. It's not the end of the world. It's not like we're taking down the Statue of Liberty or something, some wonderful <laughs> statue. <laughs> it can be put back. Yeah. It's great for Mallow Park because the council are putting back trees. Yeah, and they're putting back native trees because the ones they took down were uh, were cypress trees, which were non-native. And, yeah, and they're evergreen and they do not be yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, Aina, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Once again, remind us of the website if people want to find out more details. You can find out more details. It's, it's, it's um, Tetrapath Tree Day. You know, the, the Tree Council of Ireland are organising as we do every year. And the website, special website is www.treeday.ie. Log on and get your free Scots Pines. Aina Lilauna, President of the Tree Council of Ireland. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 1850, 1850, 103. Uh, John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Uh, today is St. Finbar's Day. 
Texter says, no better day or weekend to visit the forest area of Gugonbarra. And I think probably one of my most, the, my favourite church in the whole wide world is St. Finbar's Church on Gugonbarra. And of course, Gugonbarra uh, is where St. Finbar is said to have built a monastery on the island in the lake nearby during the 6th uh, century. So today is St. Finbar's Day. Thank you for the texter for that. Now, a lot of texts and a lot of emails and calls coming in. Let me see if I can get to some of them. Eileen has contacted us. Eileen is looking for advice, please. Eileen gives piano lessons and she gives them in her own home. She does them, you know, as a typical piano teacher, one on one. On one. Students come to her house, they come in and Eileen does the piano lessons and that was all fine pre-COVID. Then obviously COVID arrived, lockdown happened and Eileen had to stop doing the lessons. Now, she's now considering going back to giving the one-on-one lessons, but She's very nervous. And the reason that she's particularly nervous is she's 71, well able to give wonderful piano lessons, but she's just nervous about it. And she's wondering if we could put it out on the radio to see, would anyone be able to advise her? Would anyone think it's the right thing for Eileen to do, to go back giving individual one-on-one lessons in the house? And it's very understandable that Eileen is nervous. But if anyone would like to advise Eileen, she's open to suggestions from one and uh, all. I mean, my initial, when I heard about your call Eileen and our apologies when you're getting around to today because I know it came in yesterday I just didn't get a chance to mention it yesterday my initial reaction was I mean I'm assuming you can give the lesson by staying two metres apart would you be able to sit apart from uh, the student you could have both you and the student wearing masks keep the room well ventilated we're all told about that if you've got to be in a room with somebody keep the room well ventilated hand sanitise before and after each lesson get the student to hand sanitise you could even suggest that you take the student's temperature I mean that's happening in, in a lot of schools where the temperature of children has been taken so I'm sure parents wouldn't mind that just to be absolutely sure that the student is uh, okay. So I think it, it is it is possible to do it but obviously if you're nervous it does come down to individual choice. Anyway if anybody wants to advise Eileen as a 71 year old is do you think she should go ahead? Should she go back to giving her one-on-one lessons? And I'm assuming the fact that she's thinking about it, she's missing it. She's missing that social interaction that she'd have with the students. And obviously there's a financial side to this as well because you get paid for those lessons. So there is a financial implication as well. So advice, please, for Eileen, 1850 I've had an email in from Dennis to say due to recent COVID developments, the commemoration of the Tom Barry's flying column camp scheduled for tomorrow in Kilbritton has been postponed until further notice. Okay, so that commemoration is off tomorrow in uh, Kilbritton. On air we've had a couple of emails in. This is reacting to Matty McGrath who joined us earlier who brought up the poor customer service on behalf of air, brought it up with the doll and really wasn't happy with the reply at all. Uh, Joe says I had an issue with fair usage with air early in the pandemic resulting in 11 euro of additional charges charged to my bill queries and I queried it and I objected to the additional charge as I'm on an unlimited package after one hour finally managed to get through to a customer service agent and they agreed with me that it was unfair and they said look well, credit back your bill, you'll get your money back. I never did. I then had three threatening text messages saying you will be cut off if you don't pay your full bill. I ended up bringing customer services again. Uh, there was different agent, but there was different notes on my account. And I was verbally advised that I wasn't getting a credit. I was told to pay up or get cut off. I felt 
The agent who I dealt with was obnoxious. No customer service manner, no loyalty. Um, I've been with this company since 1982. The first time ever I felt the desire to do something like this and send you uh, an email. You're not on your own, uh, Joe, that is for sure. John says, Patricia, I heard part of your interview with Deputy Matty McGrath earlier on, but I must concur with all of his comments. Air are unresponsive, uncooperative, unanswerable and very honestly a disgrace in in that way in the way that they treat their customers all of what Matty McGrath said on your programme is true and more they are ignoring the needs of customers and leaving the very people who have limited or no mobile coverage in isolation more particularly they've publicly said they are connecting more homes to their broadband service which has subsequently been removed from the National Broadband Scheme priority however they're extremely difficult to obtain answers from this is extremely critical as many work Workers and college students now need a connection from home and they are presently in limbo. I agree with Matty McGrath regarding the state of the infrastructure and very honestly I would have to be fearful for the company's commitment to maintaining the infrastructure especially in rural and isolated areas and that's from uh, John and I have to say we had a number of other calls in as well from uh, people just saying how unhappy they are with the service that they have been getting from AIR. And then on disability uh, services, this is from Margaret. I've been reading the HSE's winter plan since it was published yesterday to see if there's any help there for disability providers and adult disability day service users. And you know something? I can't find anything, says Margaret. No mention. Practically every public representative has raised the plight of all of these families over the last five months. The families have exhausted of themselves writing, calling and tried their best to get help. Jesus, mercy, Mary, help us all, says Margaret. Micheál Martin, in my opinion, has sold his soul just to become Taoiseach. Bicycle lanes, 55 million, really? Are these really a priority over people with disabilities with no services because of restrictions placed on providers to provide these services? I've one thing to say. My adult daughter can vote, as well as all of the other people and extended families out there, and I will make sure... The vote is used against all the people who have ignored her this year. And I don't think we will have to wait long. This government published a green list for travel yesterday. Four of the countries you can't fly into. Why? Because there's no flights from Ireland. One country doesn't even have an airport. Oh, hang on. There's always the cycle in. Forward thinking. Well done. Michal, Leo, Stephen, you're playing a blinder. Says, uh, I, and I take it in the tone of that email from a very angry uh, Margaret. And then Marie is back to us when I mentioned St. Joseph's Foundation and the statement that I had from St. Joseph's Foundation about the day services for adults with disabilities. Firstly, Marie wants to pick up on the lady who suggested that uh, it's the 21st century and that people need to take control of their own situation and that you can't have everything served up on a plate and that if your son or daughter needs transport to or from a service there's plenty of taxis and hackneys available and the listener says if I want my child to go somewhere I take her and if I can't I'll organise transport myself Marie says the cheek of that woman to say we're whining about transport she's obviously in an urban setting where paying for a taxi won't cost her a fortune whereas if you live in a rural area it'd be quite expensive to pay for a young person to go to and from a day service and Marie says um, her child this is the other lady her child will grow up and become independent in a relatively short space of time 
ours will be dependent for the rest of their lives and decision made now are life changing. And Marie also is disputing what St Joseph's Foundation said in their statement that prior to the opening of the new hubs, all families were contacted uh, to discuss the service location for their new family member. Uh, Marie says they when they claimed they were in discussion with parents this is just not true. The changes were imposed on us as a fait accompli. There was no discussion regarding our personal choices or our young adults' needs. We had to request a meeting with them to inform us about what was going on and we only had a meeting three days before the service uh, resumed. And I go back again to the statement from St Joseph's Foundation. They say if anyone, and they do say that the hubs are open to review on an individual basis and if there's any particular concern for a family member attending any of the hubs, they will of course address this with them and they are once again saying they're happy to talk to family uh, members. So get back on to any of the families who are not uh, happy. And Eileen says, hi Patricia, I was listening to the guy telling the story about his fiance. This was John James from uh, earlier on. We in Bantry Care for the Aged Charity Shop always donate to the West Cork Rapid Response Unit. Just this week we sent a cheque to them. The need for their... the. the they need all the support that they can get. So for us in a charity shop, donations here keeps us going and we're able to support needy charities just like the West Cork Rapid Response. Uh, thanks to all of our our loyal customers enjoying the show, Patricia. And that's from Eileen. Thank you for that, Eileen. Keep up the great work at the Bantry Care for the Aged Charity Shop. You are playing a, a blinder. And there was somebody else who wanted to comment on John James. Heidi says, Patricia, John James James, that young gentleman who spoke about the air ambulance and saying how surprised that the government didn't pay for the air ambulance. That seems to be the way things are if you don't live in Dublin. Fund it yourself, seems to be the attitude of this government and previous governments. I also heard you say maybe they don't have the money to pay for the like, like what they do in other countries. Well, Patricia, they're very quick to find money, aren't they, when they want to pay rise for themselves. That's from uh, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. And Tim in Mallow says, Patricia, listening to Ken O'Flynn earlier on on the programme and I have to agree with them. I've never experienced a year like it when it comes to fireworks. There must be a glut of fireworks this year. For the first time they are For the last month, they've been set off nightly in the old course area in Mallow. Unbelievably loud bangs and uh, whistles. And it absolutely is causing a huge fright for elderly people and for animals. That's one of the ones certainly that... uh, Kenneth Flynn was uh, talking about and thank you to a text I just see in from Susan to say I've just started back on my piano lessons this week very happy to give Eileen advice if Eileen wants to talk to Susan who is a piano teacher and is back giving piano lessons thank you for that uh, Susan and for your offer if Eileen is looking for uh, for Susan's number we will willingly pass it on 1850 lines are open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses Supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, bingo is going ahead in Kildarry Creamery Yard tonight at 8 o'clock. All COVID-19 rules will be adhered to. Domanway Meals on Wheels, they're looking for volunteer drivers and cooks. If you have a few hours to spare on Monday, Wednesday or Thursday and would like to help prepare or deliver meals to older people in the Domanway area, your contact, please, is Rita on 023 
5618. That's 023-885618. West Cork Toastmasters are inviting people to join their open day by Zoom link tomorrow Saturday for a flavour of their topics. For more, you can log on to West Cork Toastmasters on Facebook or you can go to westcorktm at gmail.com for the Zoom link. And a charity day will be held in the Garden of Reimagination in Glengariff tomorrow Saturday. You can enjoy tours, teas and cakes, plus there's a prize draw. Tickets are €25 Euro and pre-booking is essential. You pre-book at 2greenshoots.com with all proceeds going to Help the Kelp Campaign. Or today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just another suggestion for Eileen, who is considering whether she'll go back to giving one-on-one piano lessons. The fact she's 71, she's a bit nervous about it. A listener said, I started lessons and I'm doing them using Zoom. I think it's great. Uh, Eileen should give it a try and see how it goes. The teacher sends the notes on through WhatsApp and then we do the actual lesson through Zoom. It might be something for Eileen to consider. John Paul joins me in studio. Afternoon to you, John Paul. Afternoon. And you've been back number crunching because we got an update on the various electoral areas for the number of confirmed cases for COVID-19 in the last two weeks. And this is running from the 8th of September through to the 21st. You joined us last week when we'd been looking at the previous two weeks, when we were celebrating the fact that we were doing well in Cork. You are painting a different picture today in some areas. Yes, there has been a change in some areas across Cork City and County and starting with Bantry and the electoral area of Bantry that's taken in by the way Drummond League Casatambair and the Mizzen and Beira Peninsulas and they had less than five cases last week they said the same so things going okay there and that of course when we say less than five cases that can range from zero uh, to four and then to Skibbereen and that does take in Dumanway and Banleen the Clonakilty areas last week they had uh, five so now they have less than five. So a decrease there oh. in that area. Uh, there was five last week. There now a decrease so less than five in the Skibbereen area. Okay, so you could take a little or no confirmed cases in that area this week. Indeed. Then, the two weeks. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll go to the Bandon Kinsale area. Now again, this takes in Kilbritton, parts of Crossbarry, Inishannon, Bandon Hospital, and obviously enough Bandon and Kinsale. So a broad area there uh, going as far as Balgooly. Uh, they had less than five cases in that area last week. There's now nine confirmed cases in that local area this for the last two weeks from the 8th to the 21st and Carrig Line remains the same less than five cases there taken in Crosshaven uh, Ringeskiddy and Ballygarvan and then it's the city that has changed uh, a lot over the last week or so and all areas of the city were doing very well uh, the last time we spoke on Monday but this has changed we'll start first with the Cork City Southwest uh, local area and this takes in Ballincollig Wilton Curraheen that area of Cork City uh, there was 10 cases here last week there's now 20 28 confirmed cases in that area and then to Cork City South Central and here we're looking at Turner's Cross Toker and the Kinsale Road area uh, they had less than 5 last week they have 16 confirmed cases this week in that particular area Well if that's the Kinsale Road area that will include those at the Direct Provision, direct provision. Yeah, okay. Not included. all of them will be from Not Direct all. Provision but some of them will be from some there okay. be, yeah. uh, and then we'll go to the Cork City South East Ward uh, taking in the likes of Mahan, Rochestown and Douglas Again, they had less than five there last week. They have 19 confirmed cases there. And to the Cork City northeast area uh, of Cork City, you're looking there at Mayfield, Tivoli, Montanotti and the Glenmire areas. Again, less than five there last week. There's 24 
confirmed cases in that particular area. That's where the nursing Coxity. home was. That's where the nursing home Again, is in Montanati. Again, not all 24 cases were in the nursing no, home, but some of them not would all, have been. Some more would be, yeah. And then moving to the other side of the north side, that's the Cork City Northwest Ward. Uh, here you're looking at Nocdehini, Holly Hills and as well, Blarney areas taken in there as well. Uh, they had less than five. They have seven confirmed cases in that part of the city. And then we'll go to the McCroom local area and here you're outside of McCroom, you're looking at Mill Street, Ballingiri, Coulee, Arhala, Crookstown, those type of areas. In that particular region, last time we spoke, we had less than five cases. There's nine cases now in the McCroom area. Uh, Canturk still uh, the same as it was, less than five cases in the Canturk area. That's taken in Charnival and Newmarket as well, uh, going as far as Barry Desmond and down as far as Cullen and Kishgame. And to Mallow then, uh, again here, you're including the likes of Dramahan, Buin, Lumberstown and Grenada. Uh, within Mallow going as far as Churchtown last time there was less than five cases there's eight confirmed now uh, within the last week in the Mallow area and to Formoy and in the Formoy local area you are again taken in other areas like Donnerill, like Kilworth, Mitchellstown as far as Castle Lines, Chamberlain Moor and Glenworth. Last week there was nine cases here, Uh, it's doubled to 18 cases in the Formoy area and moving to Cove, last week we had five or less than five so they were doing well in the Cove area um, there was five actually there was five last week in the Cove area and again when we mention Cove it's taken in Carrick-Navarre Watergrass Hill and Carrick-Tool it's gone to 13 That's cases almost tripled for the Cove area so Cove has gone up yeah and yeah. finally then in the Middleton area taken in East Cork like Yall and those areas uh, Ballycotton Ladies Bridge uh, they had less than five cases last time around they have nine now this time ok so alright and, and obviously there. the city numbers are the highest but obviously they have bigger population uh, bases but yeah. it's it's worrying uh, that there's some parts of the county where it looks like there's little or no COVID-19 uh, but certainly it is moving out from the city to the county as well because there is that th- that feeling during the week Ash, that's only happening in the city and people in the county they may get complacent but obviously those figures showing it's not Yeah okay. it can be anywhere and then you have people commuting as well who commute yeah. from city and county and county to city so you know that could have an effect not that it might but it could have an effect And as I mentioned with when you're looking at the 26 counties and they rate them from the county with the most cases down to the county with the least number of cases per 100,000 Donegal now has topped the list they've surpassed uh, Dublin we were second from the bottom this day last week when I looked at that league of counties around the country and we are now in 11th place here in Cork so that is a real worry Okay, all right, uh, John Paul we'll let you back to the phones thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us and we'll update you we think is is it about every two weeks sorry John Paul I know it's just taking um, the Department of Health said yeah. they're going to try and update this every Thursday oh. it seems Thursday afternoons they're updating it so I okay. would imagine Fridays we so will have we, an update next, yeah. Okay, and we'll keep a record of all of the figures from today so we'll know what we're talking about how to compare them next week thanks John Paul okay and we all need to as we say double down even though anything any figures that we get over the next few days they will have been seeded last week so if people really start doing exactly what we've been told to do and limiting our social contacts it'll be the week after before we'll actually see it so you do need to be so so, uh, careful now today is Make Way Day and our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran has been finding out how accessible our city is. She spoke to David Joyce and David Joyce is Director of Services at Cork City Council and Carol Rice is an advocate for people with disabilities who herself has a short stature condi- con- uh, condition. And here's how Fiona got on. 
In Cork City Council's reimagining Cork plan, Pembroke Street was pedestrianised and the disabled parking spaces were transferred to the South Mall. The footpaths here are too high and in a video clip, Leona of The Struggle Is Wheel shows that people in wheelchairs have to travel along the busy road before they can get to safety. So if I get my wheelchair from this van, I have to actually go out on the road, turn, no dishing there, high curb. Director of Services in Cork City Council, David Joyce, acknowledges the problem. That only applies to the southern side of South Mall and we're working on that and we're going to deliver a change to that as part of the new cycling route that's been provided along that uh, location. But advocate for people living with disability, Carol Rice, says Pembroke Street was a much more suitable location. It was built perfectly for disabled parking and with the low bays level to the street, it was a quieter street to be able to get out of your wheelchair, to be able to get out and get your crutches. David Joyce says COVID forced the council to introduce changes very quickly, but there are plenty of disabled parking spaces available in the city centre. Unfortunately, we had to react very, very quickly to COVID, uh, which we did and we were not able to put in all of the improved infrastructure that we had hoped at the same time. We have done our best. We are continuing to progress and improve some of the infrastructure and there have been significant changes made over the last number of weeks and months to some of that infrastructure. It's important to point out there are over 100 disabled person parking bays on the public streets in Cork at present dotted all around the city centre to give access across the city. There were also significant numbers of disabled parking bays in the multi-storey car parks. Unfortunately for Carol Rice, who has a short stature condition, many of these spaces are not suitable. I can't use parking lots because of my short stature and my arms can't reach the tickets to allow me access and then I can't reach the bays to pay to um, validate my ticket to get out. So my only option is street parking. And um, we're a one-track city, so even with the pedestrianisation of Partick Street um, last year, it made for us parking down Academy Street. If there was no parking there, how would we get out of Academy Street? Carol loves coming into the city centre, but says it can be challenging at times. Sometimes we take one step forward and ten steps back. Um, I don't really feel it's very accessible for disabilities. There's a lot of curbways, there's a lot of paths. Um, The only way that um, I suppose the councils and politicians would understand that is if they got into a wheelchair are on crutches without barely able to move their legs and try to navigate the city and then they would understand how very inaccessible it is. But David Joyce doesn't agree. You take a look at all the works that we've done over the years in relation to dishing footpaths, improving footpaths, widening footpaths, providing facilities at traffic signals, etc. Cork City Council is always very, very minded of uh, accessibility for all citizens within Cork. And for example, we have our disabled access group, the Cork Access Group, which meets on a regular basis and discusses all of these items that are of concern to members of the disabled community so that we can understand their needs there and what they require and try and do our best to deliver on those within the budgets and resource restraints that we have. Okay, thanks to Fiona for that. That's David Joyce, Director of Services at Cork City Council. And previous to that, she spoke with Carol Rice, an advocate for people with uh, disabilities. Um, so today is Make way 
day. So please be aware of people in uh, wheelchairs and people who might have mobility issues today more than any other day. We should be doing it all the time. Okay, some of your texts still coming in about AIR. Uh, We are also with AIR. We had a problem. We sent emails and they actually got back to us within a few days, but I do agree it was a terrible service. A lot of people saying email is the way to go, but then not everybody's on the internet. And if your phone and your broadband has gone down, it's kind of hard to send uh, the email if you get somebody else send the email on your behalf. Hi Patricia, using two phones on two different phone numbers. Uh, One hour and 30 minutes. Finally got through to be cut off. I had to start again. Another one hour and 35 minutes. If the septic tank service customers answered their phones like the way the air service does, can you imagine the unimaginable height and pile of SHI that this country would be in, says a uh, texter. Uh, 185333103. Mary says, yeah, air, a disaster. Recently, a 91-year-old person spent 10 days without a house phone and no button alarm for all of that time. The alarm was connected to the house phone. It took three emails to finally sort out the disaster. Not a good service at all. Hi, Patricia. To prevent another lockdown, the government should stop the sale of alcohol in off-licenses and supermarkets for a month and leave the pubs open. They certainly are safer. Someone else wants to know, if you know a party is going on in your area, can you get it stopped if you feel it's a danger to your neighbourhood or to your community? Thanking you, Patricia. Well, I suppose if you want to ring the guards, guards have called and knocked on people's doors. They can't go into the house and stop the party. All they can do is go in and suggest to the people that encourage them and educate them and tell them to please leave. And they have had some successes with that. And somebody else, when we were saying that the advice now is that you stay in your own family bubble i.e. the people you live in a household with and that you don't have any other relatives coming into your house or go visiting and they're asking people to do this for three weeks somebody says how can they ask for families to stay in their own little bubble and not call in and see their relatives when they can have up to 30 people on a pitch playing a GAA match playing a soccer match playing a rugby match and they do that for well over an hour and then not allowing them to go for a shower until they go home where is the sense in that they need to go back and take a look at some of the items and some of the events they're allowing to open they need to have a good good look at it says a whatsapper and hi Patricia I'm just wondering how prepared is Cork City for Freshers Week next week or are we adopting a wait and see until it's all over or have the guards extra resources for house parties it's going to be mental 1850 let's take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 103 And Mark Malone our movie reviewer joins us uh, Good afternoon to you Mark Hi Patricia And you are very welcome Okay you went along to the movies for us and you went to see Bill and Ted Face the Music and then there's another movie that you reckon I'm going to like called Greed But let's start We have a trailer from Bill and Ted Ready Bill Ready Ted We've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. No way. Our dads are totally in trouble. We should help them out. Dude, let's get that song. Let's rock! Now we've got a comedy here. Now just remind people about Bill and Ted. 
Yeah, so um, they're they're the band of the stallions, and so they think that music can kind of bring the world together. And so I, I don't know. Have you seen any uh, of the first yeah, two? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember the first one anyway. Yeah, yeah. Certainly the first one. This is very similar to the first one. I okay. went back and watched the first two actually, to, okay. just in preparation for this. The second film is the oddest, weirdest thing I have ever seen. I didn't realize how strange it was. And when you look back and you just think, who okayed it? But it is great in a sense that it's just really weird. But this one is very much like the first one again. Very innocent, very sweet. And um, and very enjoyable uh, for that matter. At first, of course, you think thirty years later. You know, it's been thirty years since the second movie. Yeah, because I was going to say when was when was it's the n- Bill and Ted movies? Is is it thirty years? Yeah, it's about thirty years. It's close to it anyway. Yeah, okay. and you, you think no, no, surely not. Because can you take the two boys seriously if they're in their fifties? Going, yo, dude, that's like really bodacious, you know? And you're going. And is that what yes. they're doing? They do. Oh. They do still talk like that. But at least the way in which they acted, I mean, because they're very, two very good actors, uh, Alex Winter and uh, Keanu Reeves. And so they basically, you, you, they, you get away with it because, of course, you know, they would still talk like that in their 50s. And sure, why wouldn't they? Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But they don't kind of overdo it. You know, they don't, they don't behave like children. I mean, they're grown up men now. They have kids. They've got to, they both got a daughter each. And the two daughters are doing impersonations of them. Very, very good. Especially Keanu Reeves' daughter. I am. I think her name is... uh Oh, what is it? Um, I've got it written up. Bridget Lundy Payne is her name. And she does this terrific per- impersonation of Keanu Reeves. And it's fabulous. And the two girls just love their fathers. I mean, they just adore them. And when we first see the two boys, they're still the Wild Stallions. They're at a wedding. They're doing a wedding band. And the music is awful. It yeah, is terrible. As it always was. But the girls just think it's just the best thing they've ever heard. You know what I mean? <laughs> and at the core, of course, of Ben and Ted as these two characters, these two men who absolutely love and adore each other. There's a lovely moment they're married now because they got married married to princesses in the first film they went way back in time they brought two princesses from the 13th century yeah uh, you know and so they go to couples therapy and the therapist says right boys I want you to look at your wives individually and tell them that you love them and the two boys look at their wives and go we love you you know uh. So at the core is this lovely relationship between these two men who just absolutely yeah. love and adore each other. So there's, that's, that's the whole thing about the film. It's sweet and it's loving and it's silly. I mean, yeah, it's, it's absolute nonsense, but it's nonsense in a really, really sweet and loving way. I remember giving out to my wife some time ago about modern movies because I said, look, all modern movies are all in the dark and in corners and stuff. Where are those kind of movies that the were bright and cheerful and Bill funny? Bill and Ted movies. And here we go. Yeah. And, and here's Bill and Ted. You know, and it's, it's funny. They have to come up with this song to save the world and they go into the future to meet because they haven't written it yet but they know future themselves have so they go into the future and meet various versions of themselves in the future they're not always very nice at times which is kind of interesting to try and find when they wrote the song so that they can bring it back and save the world world. in the meantime the girls do the opposite the girls they decide to go back uh, into the past and try and get some of the greatest musicians of all time to come into the future to perform the song to help save the world so they go back and they meet up with Jimi Hendrix and they meet up with Mozart and they meet up with Louis Armstrong and it's just absolutely terrific yes it's very silly and very stupid but in a good way and I smiled and laughed throughout the whole thing but, but you know when you sit down to watch Bill and Ted you, you know that's what you're going, you're well, going to well I wasn't sure because yeah. obviously 30 years later yeah, two, yeah. was it going yeah, to work it could have been disaster it could it, have been it terrible could have been disaster. but you know it's not it's really good but fun but it wasn't so mark it out of 10 I'll give it I'll give it a, I'm going to give it a 10 10 so why, not? Why, not? why not why not and your suggestion to, 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 to people of a certain generation coming to, a, to Bill and Ted for the first time the younger generation 
go back and track down the other ones do, as well. Do, yeah, I do. Yeah. Certainly the first one anyway. As I said, the second one is a bit weird, but uh, certainly, Did yeah. Did your daughter do. watch it? She, she hasn't watched it. I have to watch it on my own because she hasn't seen the first two yet. Oh, I do. And she I kept do. saying, Dad, I want to see the first two She'll first. love them. I think she will. Yeah, yeah. she will love them. Okay, then the, the second movie is another comedy, but it's a comedy slash drama and it's called Greed. It's a satire, really. It's a okay. satire about uh, the super rich, and it is based on a, a, a particular person whose name I won't mention. Uh, but he is a famous person. He's involved in the rag trade. He, uh, you know, he's uh, like the king of the high street. And is it very obvious when you're watching it who they're talking about? If you, um, in the last couple of years, were reading the newspapers, you yes, know. I think yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, because the person in, in question does exist and knew it was about him. They asked him, "Was he going to watch the film?" And he said, "No, I'm not." Um, yeah. So the thing is, is that it's about uh, this man who just is just interested in money. That's all he's interested in money. Um, it's the character here, Sir Richard McCready, played by uh, Steve Coogan. When we first meet him, he's coming up to his 60th birthday and he wants to uh, put this huge party together in Mykonos with lions and he wants to build this huge auditorium and everybody's going to be in togas. They're trying to find out who they can get as cheaply as possible. They find out that, you know, Beyonce is going to cost a million, but they can get uh, Tom Jones for 350000 So as he says, well, get me two Tom Jones then. <laughs> and um, so we do, at the start of the film, we do go right back to when he was a young man and we find out exactly why why he's driven to try and make uh, as much money as possible because he feels that the whole world is against him that he's a bit of a loner and that all his and from then on all he wants to do is make as much money as possible but doing so in a way that is really kind of corrupt and kind of moral in a way really and one of the ways he does it is because he produces clothes and sells clothes on the high street and of course the way you do that is you go to places like Bangladesh and you go to places uh, like the Philippines and you have uh, these sweatshops mainly populated by women and he would go there and he would work out a deal and uh, as cheap and cheap and cheap as possible which not meant worried a, about the workers not caring about the workers and of course because of that they then have to work doubly hard longer hours and terrible conditions so that this man can afford his yacht worth 130 million which he parks off uh, you know the, the coast of Mykonos and has this crazy party with Sting and uh, you know and um, and so but whilst doing that I mean the film because it's a satire there's an awful lot of comedy here and yes the, the character of Steve is, is completely way over the top I mean, with his ridiculous white teeth and, and bleached hair. I mean, do you end up liking him? See, this is the problem. It's funny now you should say that because we're supposed to hate him as the film goes on because he's an obnoxious, horrible character. He doesn't yeah. care. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. And um, and by the end of the film, you're supposed to hate him, but that's its fault. And that's its main fault for me because you're every time Steve Coogan is not on screen, you're thinking... Where is he? Bring him back. I want him. And part of the, the See, I like Steve Coogan. That's but, right. But I'm not as a terrific actor, but also, unfortunately, what the script they gave him, that some of the lines are like sta- a stand-up routine. So, and nobody really talks like that. And so they're all jokes. These really, and they're funny jokes. And of course, you're laughing and you're enjoying seeing him on screen, whereas in reality, you're supposed to hate him. Mm. And I don't think uh, the reality of, uh, you know, what they were trying to achieve here uh, by pointing out the fact that, uh, you know, greed is terrible and, and that people are being abused. Um, they only really kind of approached that near the end of the film film whereas up until then it's it's mostly a comedy I wanted more of the serious stuff I wanted more of that I wanted to know the reality of uh, how these people uh, live and, and, and die uh, you know trying to produce these clothes for the world and that's the reality I mean there's a very good chance that the clothes you and I are wearing right now have been made in these sweatshops mm. by these women in terrible yeah. conditions and so um, and so it, it, I don't think it achieved its aim quite as well as it, it, it should have done but because of that and because of uh, Steve Coogan and um, there's a 
whole host of comedians in this, like Stephen Fry and many others. Um, and there, Stephen Fry is appearing as Stephen Fry. As Stephen Fry, yeah. yeah but yeah. there's a lot of comedians uh, who you recognise uh, who yeah. are obviously friends of Steve Coogan. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I was, it was very, very entertaining the whole way through. Even though I, I don't think it quite achieved what it said. What it said out to do. Yeah. Okay, but well, well worth a watch. Very much so. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it 8. 8 out of 10. Okay, that is uh, called Greed. Okay, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. And we'll chat next Friday. That's uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. We'll talk to you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon and stay safe. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.